You're listening to episode six of the Improvement Project 2.0, and today's episode will explain how when emotions are high, intelligence is low. Let's go. Welcome to the Improvement Project, a podcast that will encourage you to get curious about what's going on in your brain that might be holding you back from achieving your big dreams and goals. I'm your life coach, Dr. Peggy Malone. After 19 years of working with patients to help them take on better habits for health and wellness, as well as working with clients one-on-one as their life coach, I've learned how the thoughts that we habitually think are the key to getting what we want in this life. I've learned that a coach can help you recognize what's going on in your mind, help you get clear on your goals, and then hold you accountable on the way to your best life. Listen in each week as I help you discover why you are the way you are and how you can lean in to self-inquiry on the way to being an even better you. Let's get after it. Well, hello friends. Today's episode six of a brand new improvement project, and I'm so excited that you have chosen to listen in. In today's episode, I want to share something that I have learned a lot about in the last year that has helped me in my own self-growth and has been very effective for my clients navigating their way toward their goals. And that is this. When emotions are high, intelligence is low. What? Okay, I will explain the basics of what I mean, but first, we need to learn a little neuroanatomy and neuroscience. Hashtag nerd alert. Okay, I'm not sure if you know this, but there is a part of your brain, and my brain, and all human brains, that is the same as a lizard's brain, essentially. It is the oldest part of your brain, and it is basically responsible for telling you regularly that you might die. This part of your brain is known as the limbic system, and it is not logical or rational. It is the primal part of your brain that is involved in our behavioral and emotional responses, especially when it comes to behaviors we need for survival, like feeding, reproduction, and caring for our young, and also fight or flight responses. Or said another way, and I love this because of all the words that begin with the letter F, and this makes it easier to remember, it is in charge of fight, flight, feeding, fear, freezing up, and fornication. So the reason that it is sometimes referred to as the lizard brain is because lizards basically only have this part of their brain. They only have a limbic system. They are pretty much without the higher centers of the brain that allow for logical thought and critical thinking. The limbic system is essentially, and all of you actual neuroscientists and neuroanatomists out there, please forgive this. It's actually some lumps in the middle of your brain that control the emotions that you feel, the memories you form associated with those emotions, what feels pleasurable and rewarding to you, and what might kill you. An important structure included in the limbic system is one that you might have heard of, the amygdala. Now, this is a bit of a simplification, but the amygdala is especially involved with fearful or um, anxious emotions and the memories that you have created and stored that are associated with those emotions. So let's call the amygdala Amy G. Now, I think this is awesome, but I can't take credit for it. My friend Jamie told me about Amy G and how she messes with our emotions. So it's just a good way for us to like, I guess, personify that piece of our brain. Amy G. So basically, when a situation shows up in our life that we associate with something in our memory that is negative or traumatic or fearful, essentially when we are triggered by something and we're full of negative emotions, Amy G kicks in and releases our fight, flight, or freeze chemicals, and that puts us into survival mode. Now, 
This is fine if we are actually in danger and need to protect ourselves to survive. For example, we need to run or fight or like stay very still and freeze in order to save our lives. But this is not the best part of our brain to use to make good decisions. If we are trying to resolve an argument or problem solve a situation. So here's an example. If you have a negative memory associated with speaking in front of a group, maybe because when you were a kid, you were teased or scolded or just terrified to stand in front of other humans and talk, and then you are put in that situation again later in life, or maybe you even think about being in that situation, all of a sudden, Amy G may spring into action with all the alarm bells ringing because she thinks you might die. She's sending all the fight or flight chemicals, and then your body responds to those chemicals with a racing heart, an increased breathing rate, sweaty everything. You feel like your mind is blank or confused, and you get an out of control, anxious feeling. So, this is basically what I was saying before how this part of your brain thinks that you might die anytime you have a negative emotion. Now, lucky for us as humans, we have other parts of our brain other than the lizard brain. We have the bigger, newer part of our brain that helps us think logically and rationally, that helps us to think critically and make decisions. This is called the neocortex, or more specifically, the part of the neocortex called the prefrontal cortex. We can call it PFC for short. So when you have access to your PFC, you can form complex thoughts and make long-term plans and goals and think about the outcomes and ramifications of actions and circumstances in advance. You can strategically solve problems and make decisions by using critical thinking and weighing all the options. Now, here is where the title of this episode comes into play. When emotions are high, intelligence is low. Now, when I say this, I don't mean that you are suddenly objectively less intelligent. What I mean is, when your lizard brain is triggered, you experience an intense emotion like anger, fear, or anxiety that puts you into your primal fight or flight mode. Then your prefrontal cortex, where your intelligent rational brain is and where your logic and critical thinking skills come from, goes offline, essentially. So your intelligence becomes low when your emotions are high. So think about a time when something happened, perhaps while you were driving and you found yourself yelling out loud at another driver, or maybe you were overwhelmed or annoyed and you yelled or said unkind things to your partner or maybe to your kids. And then after you calmed down, you might've thought, whoa, well, that was a bit much and probably not necessary. In the heat of the moment, Amy G was telling you you were somehow unsafe and that you might die and she hijacked your PFC and in order to feel safe or to get away from what your lizard brain perceived as the danger, you took the actions that you did. After the threat was passed, your PFC came fully back online and was like, whoa, what was that? Now, because of the high stress kind of world that we live in, our primal lizard brain or Amy G is perceiving so many things in your busy and stressful day-to-day life as a threat that might kill you. And as a result, she's getting activated a lot more than she actually needs to. This puts your rational brain, your PFC, in the passenger seat. Now, I actually like this metaphor of the car because your PFC is still part of the process and is still riding in the car with you, but Amy G's in the driver's seat and she's driving the car until the emotion passes. 
When Amy G is constantly activated, you will be much more likely to react to a situation instead of responding to a situation, to whatever situation you're facing. Now you can spot the warning signs of your lizard brain kicking in. Here's how to know if Amy G is doing her thing. Your heart rate and breathing will increase. You will feel like your brain is foggy and your perspective and judgment is off. You have less self-control and seem to make more mistakes. And you might be a bit more cranky and snappy than usual. If you notice these things, first, take a breath and maybe a time out. Then it's time to get curious about the situation and see how you are perceiving it as a threat and how your lizard brain is telling you that you might die. With a few breaths and a bit of time, you can keep your PFC online and choose what to think about the situation and then respond instead of going straight to the reaction of fight or flight. Now, this is not easy at first, but like any skill, it gets easier with practice. Always, the first step is awareness. And sometimes at the beginning, especially at the beginning of the process, it will be awareness and curiosity after the fact. So you might be very reactive and you have a habit of being very reactive. So if you suddenly find yourself swearing and yelling at another driver in traffic, and then you calm down and get to the, whoa, what was that? As your PFC comes back online, you can then debrief the situation in your mind and get curious about what happened. Just by intentionally choosing to be more aware, you may start to catch the beginning of when Amy G gets activated, or you might catch her sooner. Any technique where you allow a bit of time to pass before you respond to the situation can be helpful. Think about getting an email that really fires you up and you want to respond immediately with choice words and really let them know how you feel. It's often the case that if you wait for a few minutes or a couple of hours, or perhaps even you might sleep on it overnight, then the next day you can respond thoughtfully in a way that might serve the situation better rather than reacting in the heat of the moment and then regretting it later. Mindfulness and meditation techniques and practices can help your brain get better at increasing the distance between stimulus and the response. They can help you stay calmer and stay in your logical brain in stressful situations. Last week, we talked about the practice of gratitude. It can be extremely helpful in these situations when you are noticing that Amy G is in takeover mode. Remember that when you are truly in gratitude, you can't at the same time feel negative emotions that might send you into fight or flight. So you can challenge yourself as you notice your lizard brain starting to kick in to name three things that you are grateful for before you respond to that situation. You might also consider asking yourself some questions about the situation. What is here for me? How is this happening for me? Or what could be good about this situation? When you get curious and start asking questions, you are engaging your PFC into problem solving mode, which will make your lizard brain lie down in the back seat. Working with a coach is also a really great way to get guidance through this process to recognize what thoughts might be triggering your lizard brain to go into overdrive and help you to stay curious and present in the situation instead of going straight for the big reactive emotions and fight or flight or even total shutdown that your lizard brain has taken you to in the past. When you notice in your life that the concept of emotions are high and intelligence is low is coming up a lot for you. A coach can help walk you through some of the strategies that I mentioned today, or help you come up with specific solutions to your unique lizard brain challenges. 
I want to wrap up today's episode by sharing a personal story from the recent vacation that John and I took where I was very much in my lizard brain and I was fascinated by how I was able to respond to the situation compared to even a year ago before I started working weekly with my own coach. Um, One of the adventures that we did while we were in Western Canada was a bucket list item for John and it was hella skiing. If you're not familiar with this, it's basically where instead of being at a ski resort and riding a ski lift up to the top of the mountain and then skiing or snowboarding down lovely groomed hills that are designed and maintained to be the safest for riders, instead of that, you get into a helicopter and then you get taken to the top of a mountain in the middle of nowhere with no cell service and you ride down hills that are not groomed or maintained in any way. And you do this right after you have just had an hour's lesson on what to do in the event of a helicopter crash, how to find people under the snow in the event of an avalanche, and learning about the dangers of tree wells, which are the areas around trees where the snow sometimes isn't consolidated and can be quite dangerous if you fall into one. Now, don't get me wrong, despite what I just described, I was super excited for this adventure and John was like a little kid at Christmas, he was so pumped. So I did a bunch of research before we went on the vacation to make sure that I would be a good fit for this adventure in terms of my snowboarding skill level. I'm a good intermediate snowboarder. And at any resort, I can get down any hill, even if it sometimes isn't the prettiest. Now, John, he's very advanced. He'll go anywhere and do anything. Uh, He has zero fear as well. He's told me before that he has never gone too fast. Peg, I have never gone too fast. So he... (laughs) For him, it wasn't an issue. The research was for me and my skill level. Well, here is the part of the story where my lizard brain came into the situation. The weather that day was a bit overcast. So instead of taking us up to the part of the mountain where there was wide open expanses of snow, which would have been more appropriate for my skill level and experience, they they took us to mid-mountain where the hills were very steep and completely covered with three feet of fresh snow and trees that were extremely close together, like brush your coat as as you snowboard by the trees close together. So when I was in this situation, Amy G showed up in a hurry. And it kind of makes sense. In my defense, it kind of makes sense because there were actually a bunch of aspects of the situation where I actually could have died. It wasn't just an overreaction of my lizard brain, like reading an annoying text message or yelling at a slow driver in traffic. So to say the least, I was very emotionally uncomfortable. My expectations had not been managed, but I gave it my best effort. There really was no other option at that point. My brain was telling me nonstop that I might die as I did my best to negotiate the deep snow and avoid hitting trees and stop thinking about the tree wells wells that were everywhere. I fell down in the deep snow a bunch of times and then had to use so much energy just to stand up. I was definitely the weak link in the group, or at least that's what my brain was telling me. And I was always last. And then my brain started to yell at me because I was wrecking other people's experiences. And I also knew that John was likely pretty worried about me. So I do want to say it was not all bad. I had some moments of brilliance and fun, and I caught the edges of joy that John was exuding, but it was definitely challenging for me physically and emotionally. Now, the cool part of all of this, as it relates to my Amy G versus PFC, and what would have been different a year ago, was that even when I was very emotionally uncomfortable, there was a part of my brain that I was aware of that was curious about how I was reacting. And it allowed me, with 
a few exceptions of freakout, to stay calm and present for most of the adventure. Once I realized that I was out of my depth, quite literally, and I had done my best, I talked to the guide and I decided that I wouldn't continue with the group for the rest of the runs. Now in the past, I likely would have burst into tears or had a mini temper tantrum, probably several times throughout it all, but my PFC was definitely online and allowed me to stay calm and then make the best decision for the situation. Now, I did get some validation in my decision to stop. There was a fellow in our group, my new best friend from Australia, a guy named Russell, who has skied all over the world. He's been in waist-deep powder in Japan, he's been hella skiing in New Zealand, he's been in the Swiss Alps, and he said that it was too advanced for him too, and he stopped as well. So this ended up being a plus for me, because in order for the rest of the group to keep getting more runs, the guide gave Russell and I an extra coat and said, wait here. And here, in this situation, was in the middle of the wilderness with no cell service, and then he and the group got in the helicopter and took off and left us there. Now, if I had been on my own in the literal middle of nowhere, I would have had only Amy G to keep me company, but Russell was much nicer and we got to know each other and chatted for an hour until the helicopter came back to get us. Now, overall, the day was great. I was so proud of myself for taking on the physical challenge and for how my brain handled the emotional aspects of the challenge. For the most part, I was able to avoid the extremes of when emotions are high, intelligence is low. And it just got me fired up to increase my skill level so that the next time we go, I will be even more equipped both physically and mentally to handle that terrain and that situation. As for John, he loved every minute of it. And I think once I decided I was done for the day, he could relax and enjoy it even more because he didn't have to worry about me. Uh, He is all fired up to go again in the future. And I did get more helicopter rides than him, which was a cool balance to the situation. And that's it for this episode of The Improvement Project. I'm curious to know if learning more about what happens in your brain when you have stressful reactions to things was helpful for you. Reach out on the socials and let me know. If you enjoyed today's show and you don't want to ever miss an episode, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you usually listen. If you haven't already, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review to let me know what you think of the show and to help others find The Improvement Project. I would love to connect with you on the socials. The place where I like to hang out online the most is Instagram, and you can find me there at Dr. Peggy Malone. As usual, you'll find all of the resources and links that were mentioned during today's show in the show notes at theimprovementproject.com. If you are interested in learning more about me and my work, and perhaps how we could work together, come visit me at drpeggymalone.com forward slash coach. Until next time, my friends, stay focused and get after it.